0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Knights of Ren. It's Ali. And today I am finally back to continue talking about the High Republic. Today, I am joined by Andrew, and we are going to be discussing A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland. Thank you so much for joining me today, Andrew, because I literally am so behind on these books. Like This book came out like way back in January, and I'm finally reading all the books. So thanks so much for still being willing to talk about the early books, because everyone else I asked was like, I want to talk about the brand new stuff. And I'm like, like, does anyone want to talk about the older books?
1: <laughs> First off, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm personally loving like stepping out of the you know the Skywalker saga era. Yes. I loved A Test of Courage. I've loved everything from uh the High Republic. And i I, I know you're not completely caught up.
0: <laughs> yeah, not completely. Uh, I'm but, only halfway through rising storms.
1: I'm sure that you've seen on the Star Wars Twitter that um Uh, rising storm is pain it's just pain over and over and over and over again as for not being caught up as somebody who's the 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 new father of a four-month-old at this point i get not being caught up on stuff i just finished the bad batch today we're recording on august 17th the final of bad batch has been a thing for the finale came out last friday
0: yeah yeah
1: So yeah, five days. And I was like three episodes behind in the first place, <laughs> just <laughs> didn't get around to it. So I, yeah. I yeah, not being able to be caught up on stuff, I
0: get. Yeah. And it's been interesting, especially for me too, because I've been like rapid fire reading these books. Like I honestly finished Test of Courage like not too long ago because I've been reading these books like so rapid fire to try to catch up. And so it's been a wild ride. And I definitely agree. I've been like so invested in all of this. I'm finally glad I'm getting to read all these books because everyone's been gushing about them for like so long and i don't like <laughs> light of a jedi and i was like i want to read the other
1: <laughs> it's like i got through the the the, the introduction and acknowledgements part and the like world building novel but i want to get to the stories now <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like the, no all, all respect to light of the jedi it's a fantastic book yeah. but it, it it's very much structured as a hey okay so here, here's the political setting, and here's the societal norms, and here's the the celestial political instead of geo- whatever, <laughs> you know, sort of set. You know, that that's what the light of the Jedi is meant to be. Test of Courage, I think, was like the first book after that came out after, yeah. um, that came out day of light of Jedi, right?
0: Yeah. Some people are like, oh, it's com- you can start with either one, but I think personally, it worked well because. The Jedi, like you said, really does set up those larger scale things. And then moving to this book, I actually, there were a lot of elements of this book that I enjoyed more just because I find that I enjoy character focused stories a lot more. And this story was a lot more like it's a lot more closer to a specific smaller group of characters like I always would say that one of the things with Light of the Jedi that I always I always struggled with was how many different perspectives it like bounced between and so I liked having like a more condensed cast and in a more condensed place and being more condensed maybe that's just my opinion but I prefer that kind of stuff so yeah I definitely was nice to like go from that like larger scale introduction book into this book
1: yeah for sure it, it in a lot of ways you know going from the the big main novels like you'll find out in rising like um, you said that you're about halfway through rising storm
0: yes yeah yeah
1: so rising storm is kind of the same sort of way as the light of the jedi is yeah. it's it's such a massive tome of a book or a novel <laughs> yeah. that it's eh. In a lot of ways, it's kind of like the comparison in between the Clone Wars and Rebels or Yeah. It, it, where, you know, one is a narrative story structured around a group of people, and then the other one is sort of an anthology about the galaxy at this point in time. <laughs> yes. Which yeah. both are good for different people, you know. Yeah. They're both ve- perfectly valid forms of storytelling. But yeah, Test of Courage was definitely where I actually fell in love with <laughs> with the, the, the High Republic. I enjoyed Light of the Jedi, but actually being able to see, you know, how these young kids at this point, uh, you know, are interacting with each other and how they're interacting with the world and, you know, dealing with the the societal expectations that they're coming that they're facing and all the you know all the underlying themes that Justine Ireland kind of wove through this book Mm -hmm. felt it felt more at home for me in the way that I absorb Star Wars
0: yeah definitely definitely. As I was saying earlier, for anybody who hasn't read this book for some reason yet, which honestly, if you're me, I guess you could have not read it yet. (laughs) Uh, I guess it's just, it's a really good character focused story. Like I know some people are like, oh, it's a junior novel, so I don't need to read it. And I'm like, okay, but junior novels have their own strengths. And I don't know if I'm just like more, more used to reading young adult and junior novels, but like I personally find these books still like really they, I get really invested in them and I really enjoy them. So I'd say if that's why you have debated between reading this book or not, that should not be the reason because this book just really does a good job at like digging into characters and digging into themes that are very present in Star Wars and so I I just say it's definitely something you should read whether you are used to reading middle grade or not like go for it I,
1: I genuinely think that one of the best things that has come out of the Disney era of Star Wars you know, uh, keep in mind I enjoy the sequel trilogy for the most part. I, you know, all the, <laughs> yeah. I'm not one of those fans, but um, and I do enjoy what I do enjoy most of what's come out. Um, uh, I think one of the best things of this era of Star Wars is all of these middle grade novels. It's yes. <laughs> the 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 Lost Stars and the Cobalt Squadron and the Weapon of a Jedi. The the Luke centric one when he first like starts figuring out how to use a saber, all of those books for me at least I think that that's like the most valuable addition to the world of Star Wars <laughs> because Star Wars is made for kids. That's the (laughs) joke of it is that it's meant for the 12 year olds who are the people that are going to be reading middle grade
0: novels. (laughs)
1: Like that's what my daughter is going to be reading when she's 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So anyways, Yeah. yeah.
0: I think something specifically about this book I like is it handles things very well where it does understand like a more youthful perspective of things, but it doesn't shy away from the like more serious elements and the the weight that can have for younger people and how younger people can process that and how they're they're not just kids. They're not just like Lottie doll, I don't know how to think about the world. Like they, they actually yeah, no, they,
1: they notice yeah. that you know like the way that every single one of these characters is having to deal with loss and remorse and grief they all are having to deal with it and they're all dealing with it in different ways and a 12 year old that's reading this book is going to understand that Imri is dealing with his problems a lot differently (laughs) than Avon is or yeah or how honesty might be dealing with it you know it's like I'm just kind of throwing it in there with you that yes Yeah. yeah understand. I was getting the themes of the prequel trilogy when I was 8, 12, or yeah, 8, exactly. 11, and yeah. 8, 11, and 14 when those movies came out. I understood those deeper themes when I was 8, 11, and 14.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 I just think that that's so well executed to the fact that, like, while it is, like for a younger perspective like it just it doesn't shy away from those elements and I think for someone who's like coming in like you were talking about earlier like coming in and having this be one of the first parts of Star Wars are introduced to I I think that it's just it's it does a really good job of like touching on all of those different elements and especially grief it's something that's very prevalent in a lot of parts of Star Wars and I think touching on what you said about being in a different period too like it's, it's specific in the fact that, like, for this time, these kids, not only are they kind of confused about what's happening, but I guess destruction is not as familiar to them like someone who's more like been growing up in the Clone Wars like Hera or something they've obviously had more exposure to war and stuff so Mm -hmm. it it was interesting I thought that was interesting in the beginning of the book how these like these kids are not only coming to terms with like what's happening but it's something that's more foreign to them and I thought that was interesting that like here are these characters who aren't used to war and destruction and everything
1: yeah they don't they're not used to outright terrorist attacks (laughs) (laughs) like on cruise liner ships it's it's not a normal thing that happens and that yeah uh i i didn't actually think about it from that perspective i know thank you for bringing that up i hadn't made that connection
0: i guess it hit me for the fact that i was like a lot of the times we do either A, see it from an older perspective or B, from like we've been in this war perspective. Like I I brought up Hera earlier, like yeah. Hera, a big thing. Every time we've seen Hera recently, it's been like, you've been exposed to this. I don't want you to continue to be exposed to this. But here these characters are like, oh, wow, what is this? We've never dealt with this. And I think in terms of how they all d- differently process grief, that also comes into play in that because... Some of these characters are, how do I put this? <laughs> um, they're used to growing up in a more wealthier, or well protected environment. Like, well, I know Avon. they privileged. Was yeah. Kidnapped at one point, but outside of that, like these characters are more gr- privileged and they're used to growing up in a very confined, protected environment. And I think that's speaking of Avon. I think that's specific, like for her too, because she was kidnapped at a point, so she had had exposure to like this kind of more troubling stuff. But I think being put in this situation where it's more to an extreme level. And I think that's also why I found her to be such a glue for the group because she Mm. had had exposure previously to more harder things. And just because of her natural ability to be more, we can get through this guy's attitude. Yeah, she
1: definitely, she she has that. uh, I apologize. I'm cross-pollinating fandoms, Uh, but um, (laughs) I've been watching a lot of uh, One Piece. The, the anime uh, slash manga piratey thing, you know, from the 2000s and it's still going, but there's a character in there called the Woofie uh, who's like kind of the main character and he kind of wills himself through everything. He just says, oh, I'm going to try it. And if it works, it works. If I do- if it doesn't work, I die. And oh, well, I died doing something that I just wanted to do. <laughs> and that's kind of the sort of same sort of energy that Avon has and I love it. <laughs> Where it's just like I, this needs to happen, so we're gonna try and do it, and if it works, great. If it doesn't, sad. That sucks.
0: Yeah, and going back to like the different ways they process, like that's definitely more her role in that. And then like I think that someone like honesty and Emery obviously take it a lot harder because they like directly lose people, and then Mm Vernessa, I think, is like kind of that middle ground where it's like she doesn't have the same like she she doesn't have like the same exact attitude as Avon, but she definitely it impacts her in a more specific way that like hits more than it does for Avon. I don't know what I'm saying. Quite, but-
1: no, no, no. I, I, I think, no, I see what you're coming from. Another thing is the like I, I know that I personally have that sort of response to trauma, grief, whatever Is I kind of shut off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to yeah. the way that I've dealt with it in the past and the way I still deal with it sometimes <laughs> is I just shut off. I mm-hmm. shut off emotionally because I, I'm just kind of in survival mode and just keep on going to work without calling in sick and, <laughs> you know, losing my job yeah. from that, you know, whatever. Um, it's the same. I think that that's sort of how Avon responds. And Vernestra Nestra kind of does a little bit of a, a more healthy version of that where it's yeah. like, I need to deal with these emotions. I will deal with these emotions. Eventually, once I get out of crisis mode and I finish dealing with the problem that is at hand, like, you know, the acid rain.
0: And I think that's definitely, like, a good way, like, of all the perspectives, it's a good way to acknowledge it because, like, it's fair to be like, okay, I need to focus more on this, but it's also good to, like, acknowledge, like, yes, at some point, I'm probably going to have to process these emotions and, like, work through things more. And that's why when when she is faced with how her how her group is dealing with it, like especially when it comes to Emery, like she has to more directly face like how it's impacting people and what has actually happened. And like and that's and I like the way that she so immediately comes to be that helping force for everyone. Like they all help each other at some point. But I really liked how when we specifically talk talk about Vernesta and Emery's relationship, just the way that she was there for him in that moment. And then in the end she's still takes him as her padawan like she's still mm-hmm. willing to continue to be there for him even after seeing him tap into those more darker sides of things and because i think she does have that understanding of it like where it's like it's he didn't just like do it because he did it but she understands why he did it. like he she understands like wh- how that impacted him and that loss and I, yeah. I, I just think that was so important to see, too, because like in other parts of Star Wars, when someone taps into the dark side, like sometimes we'll become more closed off or we'll push yeah. back. But she didn't push back as much. And I like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. It it, it didn't. I mean, with that being said, Luke had a very good reason to go you went you straight <laughs> to the dark. But that's a whole nother that that's another discussion for yeah. the record. I do have I do have a giant TLJ like mural tattoo on my forearm <laughs> here. So and I'm going to. Roll a will save to not go into a a rant about how wonderful I love, or about how much I love TLJ.
0: I'm here for Uh, that any day, so it's all
1: good. (laughs) Okay. So, to me, from my perspective as a new father, and, you know, with, you know, a four-month-old kid, and, you know, her first Star Wars movie is probably going to be Taika Waititi's, you know, whatever (laughs) whatever weirdness he is, whatever absolute insanity that's going to be. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, I, I'm always watching all these stories now as like, okay, how is my three-year-old or my five-year-old or my 10-year-old going to absorb this information? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm hoping that a test of courage, because specifically what you were just mentioning earlier about Imri and, um, and Vernestra, I feel like hopefully the lesson is going to be that feeling and experiencing your emotions is not the same thing as acting on them Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself to experience what you're feeling without allowing that to you know overwhelm you to the point of (laughs) doing some less than great things or some less than well thought out things and I think that's the lesson that Imri needed to learn and he fortunately hopefully I mean, we haven't seen necessarily further adventures from the two of them yet, but um, (laughs) hopefully it seems like Vernestra is sort of guiding him through that lesson.
0: Yeah. Outside of, like, the general scope of this book, like you were saying, I I thought that's really important for you to acknowledge, like, the fact, like, how will younger viewers interpret this? Like, how will anyone come to interpret this? And that's, like, what you want to take away from your your experience because like you not only want to enjoy it but like what will i really take away from it and i think this book does do a fantastic job it really like like as we keep bringing up the different ways of processing grief like it does a great job of like going into those different perspectives and like how readers um can like take away those lessons and those perspectives and can like relate on some level to that like where Mm -hmm. And this is another reason, like, why I enjoy um, uh, Jedi Knight so much in Rebels, because it uh, it's another case of characters processing <sighs> grief in different ways. And I, I just I love when Star Wars takes the time to really, like, dive into those different experiences. And yeah, and because each person does react to things differently. and And as I said earlier, is brought up with, like, different parental or life experiences. And so, yeah, I just definitely love that this book, like, touched on that. Yeah.
1: I do think that Justina Ireland, I personally feel like she deserves the same sort of kudos that the fandom's given, like, Claudia Gray. Yeah, In terms of, like, being able to, like, like, in terms of, like, reaching in and finding the core of, that is Star Wars, if you could call, if you could find one. I think that the top three authors from the new thing, for me, is Justina Ireland, Claudia Gray, and Alexander Freed. For me, personally. Uh, I know that Alexander Freed is... Some people have enjoyed his stuff. Some people haven't, but you know, I feel like not that any of the other authors don't get Star Wars. It's just in terms of finding that one specific. Okay, this is meant to be a morality lesson for eight to fifteen-year-olds. It can expand beyond that, but that is always the core of the story.
0: So we've talked a lot about the core protagonist group. Um, I guess without. <laughs> accidentally spoiling me on anything um let's talk a bit about the nile because um they are in this book
1: killeth and guishi they're an interesting case study in developmental psychology i think (laughs) because they're meant to be kids like effectively they're supposed to be kind of like you know like 16 17 18 year old kids effectively it's like the whole like nurture nature thing, right? Where like, how brutal of a being can you be based off of your upbringing versus what's natural and what's the norm? And uh, I listen to a lot of history podcasts and a lot of them bring up the same sort of concepts, which is like, if you take a baby from now, put them in a time capsule and send them back to 2000 BC, are they going to be totally cool with, you know, the terrible things that humans did to each other back then? in 30 years and which one of those is normal is today's quote unquote civilized world, (laughs) you know, the normal or is the brutal world of the ancient past. And that's kind of how I see this whole Nihil versus the high Republic sort of thing is it's, it is pure selfishness versus selflessness and the Republic and the, the Jedi of the, and it makes me wonder in that first introduction introductory, the like little prologue thing where they're taught where we see Killeth and Gwishy on their fuel ship or whatever when they're mm-hmm. infiltrating onto uh the Starliner. That was like the first thing that popped in my head. I'm like, if Killith was raised on Alderaan, would she be like
0: this? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like,
1: like if she had a different nature, is it because of her nature that she's this brutal and cruel or is it because of what she grew up in? And it's it, yeah, it, it was just an interesting case study. And it was an interesting way of seeing. I don't recall ever really getting asked that question in Star Wars outside of maybe the Alphabet Squadron trilogy.
0: <laughs> like a lot of the times with some characters in Star Wars it is really that like circumstance kind of how i was raised kind of thing and like one specific thing that really makes me consider that is the fact that when they're questioning them they're like pirates wish they could do what we do like this is what we do blah 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 like it really it's really that emphasis of kind of that more I don't want to say entitled, but I want to say like entitled to the fact that like they have been raised in this environment. Like take Mm -hmm. what we want, do what we want. Like we're superior to pirates. Like that kind of way of thinking and how that is interesting to consider. Like whether if they hadn't been in that environment, whether they they would have like this need to like act this way and feel that more sense of entitlement. And they say. I just bring this up because I always talk about with Mandalorians because I'm like I'm obsessed with Mandalorians and everyone knows that with them it's always like only the strongest shall rule and in this case they said only the strongest shall survive and I'm like ooh I like getting a line like that with them <laughs> um, and, and it's and it's very like true to their nature because like it's very much where they have that kind of hierarchy where it's like. I'm only halfway through Rising Storm, but there are some cases of that in Rising Storm where it's like, oh, they all uh, follow. If is the strongest, I'm gonna follow him. If he's, if I'm not the strongest, then I'm gonna follow this person. Like it, it, it continues that kind of, like, idea of like only the strongest shall survive. Only the strongest shall rule. Like I, I like seeing that. Like even back in this time period, there are still people like that who have that mentality.
1: I love I love how middle grade novels work in just in general I'm not talking about Star Wars or anything like that I'm talking about just in general middle grade Star Wars middle grade books in in general tends to be what I tend to enjoy reading the most because it is sort of like sitting down and binging through a season of a TV show
0: yeah
1: um sort of for me um or Watching a movie effectively, because in turn, like when you're sitting there reading it, it takes what, two ish, three hours or so to get through a typical middle grade novel. And it tends to, at least for me, I feel like it kind of condenses the story. Not so much that it, it waters it down, um, but, or that it, it feels like you're skipping through things too fast, but. um It. It also uh, doesn't feel like there's ever like any dead points in that, in those stories. And, you know, like with this book in particular, you're talking about the size of the cast and the number of the number of characters. that it was, I was actually surprised the first time that I read it because it felt like, wow, for a middle grade novel. Yes. You know, give, you know, due respect to, you know, 12 year old readers. They're (laughs) a lot more intelligent than most people Give them credit for, but um, it I felt like wow. There's a lot of protagonists in this. <laughs> you know, there's like there, there's Imri and Honesty and Renestra and Avon, and then their droid buddy. And you know, it, it was like wow. There's a lot of different moving care, moving parts, and moving characters, and differing relationships and differing interactions between these characters. But I think I'm not sure if it was just you know Ireland's intent, but it, for me it felt like. Justina you know, Iron was giving, okay, here's the scenario of mm-hmm. your survivors of a shipwreck. Now here's one person dealing with or de- dealing with this stressful situation this way and here's another person and here's another person, and here's another mm-hmm. person. And it kind of allows each reader to kind of find one person to glom onto and identify mm-hmm. with. If you throw a lot of different people out there, a, a, you know a very large net, you're gonna find more readers or more consumers of the media to identify with those protagonists when you have a large cast of them.
0: Speaking of like more specific structural elements, I found that like not only does it for me it felt like a smaller cast than the other books I'd read, but beyond the size of the cast, I felt like the way it was organized, like beyond I know some people say, oh, it's just because it's on one planet. So the I, I know that's an element of it, but for specifically the characters, what I found worked well was every transition kind of felt seamless in the way that it either transitioned from, like three things I noticed, it either transitioned from like a specific interaction into like another person's perspective on that interaction, or it went from like one emotional beat that kind of tied into another emotional beat. Like if there was a specific part of grief one character was processing, you would then get like kind of a similar kind of idea of how this specific character is processing that specific element. Like jumping between Honesty and Emery felt very seamless in that way where they're both Mm -hmm. kind of processing a specific loss and but they still have their own ways of processing it and then the third element I found a more like specific way of going between because they are going through this like similar experience together I guess it made that perspective switching just feel more natural in the way that it's like here we are all experiencing this thing at once, but we can still jump between the different perspectives of how we're experiencing that. So yeah, it felt it worked for me in that way, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I'm right there with you because like, if you would have been going from like Avon to Emory when it comes to dealing with grief, it would have been completely jarring, but just, you know, everyone <laughs> took the time to, you know kind of, it, it sort of felt a little bit like an, like an emotional wave form, you know what I mean? Like when you're yeah. editing an audio thing. You know, it's not like you're getting hard spikes up and down. It's just a, a gradual rise and then a gradual fall and a gradual rise and a gradual fall. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it worked out.
0: So you said you had some more thoughts on Vernesta.
1: Yeah. The amount of identification I did with Vernesta <laughs> as, a, as a person, because, I mean, a little bit of background, I'm 31, but I was the oldest of uh, five kids and by quite a few years, the second oldest was seven years younger than me. And then the youngest is like almost 16 years younger than me. The amount of feelings of responsibility and the fact that I was in a lot of ways, sort of a third parent to my other siblings and that that need to constantly be on and be the leader and be I need to be the, I need to be the fence post and I need to be the one with the plan. And I need to be the, I need to be the support beam. I need to be the center pole of the tent. And then also the sort of imposter syndrome vibes that you get from that. Like Vernestra's struggles with being the youngest Jedi Knight in a very long time. You kind of get that too. You know, people say, wow, you're very responsible for, you know, when I was 22, you know, wow, you're so responsible for a 22 year old. Really? You're only 22. And it's like, I mean, I kind of, yeah, I, I don't actually know what I'm doing. What, how does a bank account work? You know, it, it's kind of one of those seeing Vernestra deal with that reminded me of me dealing with my late teens, early 20s yeah. in a lot of different ways, being kind of thrown into a very alien situation and then having to find a way out of it, not only for myself, but also for. A bunch of other people. I really did fall in love with Dernestra as a character.
0: Yeah, I, I actually specifically wrote down the like paragraph where she specifically talks about how being a Jedi, not only at her age, but to her people, about how like special that was for her people and how her family and all, everyone was so grateful and kept telling her, it's such an honor that you get to do this. Like, wow, I'm so impressed. And like, and, and then there's a lot of elements of her saying, she's grateful for this opportunity i'm grateful i'm grateful i'm grateful i it's the will of the force i'm grateful like there's a lot of that and talking about relatability i definitely think i relate on that to a level two because while i know there's people younger than me in fandom most of the people in fandom i've honestly ended up spending my time with are people who are older than me and what's mm-hmm. happened is it still honestly happens nowadays but especially when i first got into podcasting and like doing all the different fandom things i did Oh wow, Ali's so young and she's doing all these things and it's so cool. And I'm here's this younger person. Look at Ali. And it was amazing to hear, but at the same time, it kept that feeling where I'm like, I'm grateful. Like Vernesta is like, I'm grateful, I'm grateful. And I do feel that like I do want to continue to like work my hardest and like try my best and like show Mm -hmm. that I am grateful for this opportunity and be present in the moment as she's talking all about Starlight Beacon and how like that's such an like all of the things that are coming with that, like you want to be present and proud of that opportunity in that moment and to prove it to people. And I think definitely think that's like something she's dealing with a lot in this book. And as we talked about with the, the grief, I think that comes in the terms of that too, where, like you said, she's like acknowledges where she has to process feelings, but she, it be, she also becomes very focused on the task at hand and getting people through this. I thought Avon was interesting too, because she talks a lot about like she has all this interest in like being like more so like a scientist and studying how things work and like even with the ways she like tinkers with her droids or like works through the different scenarios. Like she even talks about how the legacy run. Like she was interested in it, in it to find out how it would work so more people could prevent it and then yeah that. <sighs> she even calls out, like, this, she get, even gets interested in studying, like, kyber crystals and lightsabers and stuff, and, and I honestly, I died when she was, like, I, she said something along the lines of, I'm surprised more people haven't utilized, like, the power of kyber crystals. <laughs> and I was just, I started laughing, I'm like, oh, yeah, they will someday. Just oh,
1: don't it. worry, don't, don't you worry, worry, Avon, just give it another 220 years.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 so I just, I thought she was interesting for the fact that, like, she, she was just so... Like, going to the depth of these characters, like, we talked a lot about how she mm-hmm. is more of that chill, relaxed, like, bubbly kind of character, but there's, like, so much more where she is interested in, like, deeper aspects of things and, like, yeah. understanding how things work, and I, I I like that. Like, I like getting characters who can have, as like, a specific, more upbeat attitude, but have those deeper elements of their passions and wanting to still understand how things work, even if the disaster... I have an easier way of processing it and, and of expressing it. I still want to like, I'm still interested in it and I want to like help people through it still. So yeah, I don't know. I liked her.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely, I, I, I did identify with Avon too, in a lot of ways because of that almost clinical sort of like, look at things like, <laughs> like very serious stuff. And like, yeah. she understands the gravity of, yeah, you no, know, lots and lots of human or lots and lots of beings. Died because of this, but I should look at it and study it and figure out what's going on with it so I can keep it from happening again. Yeah. Or, you know, like, yeah, Kyber crystals, cool. Yeah, fancy, <laughs> whatever monks, space monks doing your thing. Okay, whatever. Yeah, huh? yeah, you guys can keep worshiping your things in your little temple <laughs> on Jeddah. That's fine. But um free energy for the galaxy, maybe that's a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> I, 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 I definitely appreciated her attitude especially at the age that she was at to just be like yeah like she kind of cuts through the crap (laughs) in a lot of ways (laughs) with a lot of the ways that she looks at things and the way that she looks at the world and I was very thankful for that as a to to read and to listen to. I guess the last character that we haven't really talked too much about is Imri. Uh, Imri and uh, Honesty.
0: Yeah. Yeah for Honesty I don't want to say it's a trope but I know Mm. this has been a thing in fiction prior where it's like you have that big fight with someone and then you end up losing them and you have to kind of come to terms with that and like how you wish you could like go back but you can't and like you think about how you could have acted differently in that moment and how maybe if you'd known like you'd lose that person in the future you would have like been more open and more and more caring and not fought with them and I, I I know that's a common thing that's occurred in fiction before but I I just liked getting it, an instance of that in this book because it is something that doesn't just only apply to loss and grief but it applies to other things in our lives as well and like yeah. wanting to like go back and redo things so yeah I definitely thought that was an element that hit for his character specifically yeah
1: for sure, I I get that. Like, oh well, yeah, it's, it's, you don't want to do, you, you don't want to deal with the the, tr- you don't want to be tropy about you know your characters, yeah. but like tropes are tropes for a reason because a lot of people that deal the do lose somebody lose them when they don't want to be yeah you know yeah. Or, or lose them in a really inopportune moment like I know I can think of the two or three people that I've lost right off the top of my head that has just been like yeah I really wish I could have had a conversation with them before they before that <laughs> happened that yeah. sucks yeah and, and um the fact that honesty had to deal with it and that the, and that honesty was dealing with it in a book that is specifically targeted towards 12 year olds yeah. <laughs> Is like that. That that's that's an important lesson for kids to learn. You know, is that you should be thinking about the fact that while you should also be thinking about what you're saying to somebody because Mm -hmm. that might be the last time you get to say anything to them, you also shouldn't have that always at the first and forefront of your mind. Because yeah, 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 yeah. because that otherwise you're just going to be a pushover and you're gonna let people, you know, (laughs) let your let your parents pressure you into whatever career that they want you to go into or you know whatever other situation that you could apply that to
0: yeah I just I I definitely think it is like the exposure to it because I'll be honest as soon as they were like starting to argue I'm like okay this guy's not making it he's dying <laughs> <laughs> I literally was like, there's no way this dad is like making uh, it out of what's ever supposed to happen
1: this dad's <laughs> gonna die yeah <laughs>
0: it's just like that it's just such a thing something in fiction people deal with a lot it's like Wanting to like redo that moment, and, like if you're fighting with someone and this disaster has been built up about to happen, like that's just something you're gonna like expect to happen. And I, I honestly find myself comparing stuff a lot because there's gonna be something in every High Republic book. I feel like at this point, just God, I'm the biggest rebel stand. I can't stop. Um, so every that's time in *Light of Jedi*, fun. they talked about listening to the Force. Um, I just talked about that with Kanan and Ezra, and now in this book, um, every time we talked about the loss of emory's master kept getting canaan and us again because there's even a line where it's like emory's talking about his relationship to douglas and honestly it's like that kind of sounds like what like a, the relationship of a father would do or like what a parental relationship is like and I'm yeah like, oh, when they're yeah
1: when they're in the shuttle oh on the gosh. way to the planet yeah
0: and there's yeah, just and other like, little oh. nuggets for that, like that where I'm like, oh, this is like so similar to Ezra and Kanan's relationship. I don't know. That's just me. I keep doing that. It's fun. Like yeah. he, there's even a line where he's like, his master believed in him when others didn't. And like Ezra even has lines like right that, where it's like Kanan believed in me when others didn't. He was there for me when others didn't. And I guess I like having another master apprentice relationship. That's what I'll take out of it, I guess. I like having another relationship like that where I'm like, you, you do want, because like the Jedi can be so like, straightforward It points i don't know if straightforward is the right word but like the fact that like he acknowledges like formal yeah formal formal but he acknowledges just how much of an impact douglas had for him and like i i i liked getting an instance of that again because yeah it definitely
1: it definitely feels it definitely feels like i think that that's an overarching theme that they're aiming for with the high republic yeah (laughs) i think that they're aiming for that with the high republic in general is that overarching we i think that being in balance with your emotions is not the same thing as suppressing your emotions uh, like it is in the prequel trilogy Mm -hmm. and the high republic era jedi are in balance with what they're feeling they allow themselves to feel what they feel they just don't act on it or they don't act impulsively on them um for the most part
0: (laughs) for for the most part yeah yeah
1: (laughs) but then there's and then they get super, super, probably some, because of stuff that happens during the High Republic era that we haven't gotten to yet, ended up getting extremely clinical all the way into the prequel era. And then the Jedi fell to pieces. And yep. then <laughs> Rebels and the sequel trilogy and even the original trilogy to a certain extent acknowledges, okay, there's you, you're allowed to feel your emotions. You just can't act impulsively on them. Uh, again, yeah. it's sort of like forgetting the lesson and then having to relearn it sort of thing. And I feel like that's kind of where they're aiming at with the High Republic and why uh, the the role that they plan for the High Republic to have in the overarching tapestry that is Star Wars. I'm fascinated that uh, we've got another purple lightsaber wielding person. That was only a Samuel L. Jackson special and then all of this- <laughs>
0: He, he like Deadpool. He's like, what? That was my thing. Don't no, Actually,
1: <laughs> I guarantee he probably has no idea that Vanessa yeah, exists, so but no. I, I still want I still want him to know that somebody else out there has a purple white saber <laughs> just so I can see him yeah. get upset on like Yes.
0: Yeah. on the
1: Today show or something. Yes. <laughs> Wait, what?
0: connecting into like the whole like sphere of uh, thematic thing like i i wrote down a lot of quotes but i think recognizing our mistakes and doing better is the path of a jedi like vernessa saying that like wow
1: you're 16 and you you're figured 16. out something <laughs> you're six you're 16 and you're figuring out something that luke found out when he was yep 62 or something yep. like that. Yeah,
0: that so that was just wow like her saying that and being able to vocal and that's another thing for Emory that I think has that impact. It's like being able to vocalize that where it's like, yeah, we can make mistakes, but that's like part of our path of learning. Like we we're not gonna like kick you out (laughs) because you made this mistake. That's part of your process of learning. You're gonna grow from that. And like and it, it's okay to make those mistakes so like yeah i just oh I, i'm so glad that you acknowledge that because like it's so much better than just brushing it under and being like okay i'll just train you because i want to train you because like you deserve it's not like it's not like you just get a second chance it's we're not ignoring this we're acknowledging it this was a thing that happened but we this can a, learn and grow from it yeah
1: so. it's a thing that happened that we will uh, that we will deal with and <laughs> yes. we'll learn from and we are going to move forward from as opposed to oh i don't know anakin something something sand people something something <laughs> massacre <laughs> dead mother
0: yep yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> any other thoughts about a test of courage
1: other than now wanting to go and listen to it again after i listen to it <laughs> last week because we were going to record last week and then thunderstorms yep. happened now i listened to it also yesterday now i want to go <laughs> listen to it again no i think i think i'm good
0: well thank you so much for coming on to talk about this book with me i really enjoyed oh, this
1: thank yeah. you for having me i i was i'm i was excited to sit down and actually chit chat about star wars because i don't have too many people to to just go off about some you know book that you know comparatively yep. to the general nerd fandom not a lot of people got around to reading
0: Anyway, where can people find you and what you do?
1: Um, well, when I do stuff online, it's um, now just underneath my normal name. I used to do like S2B ramblings or Star Wars ramblings and all that kind of stuff. But I've now shifted to just I'm just a guy online sharing his opinions because, you know, that's that's the Internet and that's how you do things now. So just at Andrew Seiner and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and I think TikTok. But yeah, at Andrew Seiner, pretty much anywhere.
0: As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Allie underscore M underscore Andrews. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Knights of Ren, on Instagram at Knights underscore of Ren. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so via Patreon or Ko-fi. Both of those links are in the episode description below. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you come back next time to listen to everyone talking more Star Wars.